Hello, hello, <clears throat> welcome everybody, sorry, you're, you're hearing my morning voice right now, I'm excited, we got TED Talks coming, how are you, how are you, what's going on, uh, it's wonderful, it's summertime here in London, Ontario, things are getting good, I just got vaxxed, I got, or as my friend says, you get microchipped, <laughs> I find that always pretty funny, and anyways, I'll tell you, what's happening today? Two TED Talks, something a peer of mine who knows a lot about marketing had to say. And I am pumped because the Yale Science of Well-Being notes are coming up. And I don't think I'll dive in today, but just stay tuned for in um, next week's episode. Wow, that is some good stuff. Like everything I learned in the Yale Science Well-Being course changed my outlook on everything. Now it's funny because when I talk to friends who are in psychology, they say it's all common sense. And for me, it was mind blowing. And that happened a little over a year ago. And I'm so glad I learned that stuff. So I cannot wait for that. Stay tuned next week. It is another Friday. And, and so with that comes Shabbos dinner tonight. I'm, I love it. I always look forward to that every week. And so for everyone out there, Enjoy the end of the week. Celebrate it. You made it. Let's do this. Let's dive in. Without further ado, Scott Thompson, expert in marketing. He has an online business for coaching. And I was picking his brain. I wanted to know what he, he thinks. And he told me some things. He said, write down where money is going and where it comes from, as well as what you enjoy. So I'll say that one more time. It's where is your money going? Where does it come from? And what do you enjoy? And you can do this activity right now if you're not driving. Now, if any of those overlap, where your money is going, where it comes from, what you enjoy, if those overlap, those industries are where you should invest a real good chunk of your money. And that's really, that's that's an underrated tip I just gave you there. Like That is awesome. We all know the saying, invest in what you know. And that's what it reminds me of. In marketing, list a fact and always follow with a benefit. The word because is a very powerful word in marketing. You can use this with any example, by the way. Um, for example, I'm trying to sell you reusable material. This reusable material saves the planet. And instead of just saying, so there I listed a benefit, like instead of saying buy this reusable material, no, I said it saves the planet. Because, and then the powerful word of you say, it saves the planet because we're not killing animals or because you're not filling a landfill. Boom, and you've just, and it's common sense stuff, but still, like, a lot of people don't use their common sense. Anyways, this is really cool. Make a survey to find barriers and then tailor a program or product to conquer those barriers. And you can add a why to soft pitch people in an email if you do that. It's called premature optimization. It's something I learned in the book, Mental Models. And I did a talk about that way back. It was like an hour long episode. Just look for super thinking. That's the episode. They talk about premature optimization and that when you try to perfect something before or too early, I mean, when you perfect something too early, it's going to backfire on you. And so the example is you have a donut shop. First, you just put out a vanilla donut see if people even if see if donuts are even in the market like if people want to buy them and then you put out the sprinkles and then you see oh people like sprinkles more than the plain 
And then you put out a chocolate with sprinkles, and you go, oh, wait a second, people actually like chocolate more than the sprinkles. And and you just keep kind of optimizing, but you don't do it prematurely. And, and the CEO of LinkedIn, he said, if you're not embarrassed by your first phase of a product, you kicked it off, you, uh, yeah, yeah, something about you kicked it off too early. And so just put things out there, and it's the same here. You got to make surveys in your business. See what people actually want. Cater to those people. This is a really underrated tip, is don't be afraid to mention who the program isn't for. Not just who it's for. Shut it out there and be like, hey, this is not for you, blah, blah, blah. Okay, there's all the awesome tips. I'm going to move right into this cool story I heard on TikTok. You'll like this. A kid, he took an SAT and he got 1480, which is high as shit, by the way. His mom thought he was lying because he hung out with the wrong crowd, wasn't intelligent, or at least his grades reflected his lack of intellect. So he realized all of a sudden, oh my goodness, actually, I am smart. Like, I understand this stuff. And he stopped cutting class. He, he started putting better people in his life because he realized what he could do. And he became very successful. And uh, 12 years later, you know, Life is amazing. This guy crushed it. He gets a message from the SAT board saying that he was one of 13 people given the wrong score. And he'd actually gotten a 760, which is as low as you can pretty much get, if I'm correct. As you can probably tell, the moral of this story is when you are told you are something, often we believe it, especially if we're young. But it's no different as adults. Uh, You start believing what you hear and think. And, and so keep that in mind, people, is how, how much you have an effect on other people and then how much words have an effect on you, okay? Let that inspire you. Ignorance is bliss. This person, and it's, a, it's probably a fake story, but it's not about the story. I want you to realize, listening to this right now, whatever people are telling you, you will believe. Uh, it's, it's that classic schmaltzy saying, like, if you say you can or can't, you are right. Um, anyways, let's move on to this really interesting, it's called own your behavior, master your communications. It's a Ted talk here and it kicks it right off with quoting Victor Frankl's man search for meaning. Now that book, by the way, if you haven't heard of it, there was a psychologist who was in the concentration camps. Uh, one of the worst ones, I'm, I think Auschwitz, if I'm correct, and that was like, if you're in Auschwitz, it was pretty much a death sentence. Actually, most of the camps were, especially by the end of the war. But anyways, this one was especially bad. It was a death camp. So there was no working. there. You went there to be gassed and burned. And so Viktor Frankl miraculously survived. But he wrote a book. He actually was writing while he was there. And he completed this novel. And it's it's very known worldwide. And it's And I'm hyping this up because the message from this book is incredible, which is that you can take everything from a person except their attitude. They could do whatever they wanted him. They could have killed him at that concentration camp, but they would never be able to kill his attitude. They And no matter what happens in life, your attitude is your choice. Uh, you know, um, someone that really helped me a lot. Uh, I'm not going to share too much. Someone helped me a lot at Fanshawe. And he, he said this, uh, so Jared Dalton, 
Jared Dalton, if you're listening, somehow, if somehow life brought you to this, I'm forever indebted to you, Jared. And and so he had mentioned attitudes are a choice, and and he he talked about this book actually. He referred to it. Really powerful stuff, actually. There are a bunch of schmaltzy one-liners, and if you're into all that schmaltz, then here, I'll give it to you. Mother Teresa said, when you judge someone, you lose time to love them. Yep, yep, take that as you wish, but hey, still, it's like a good message. I'm never going to not tell you a good message. There's another one here by a philosopher, Nietzsche. I think I said that right, Nietzsche. (laughs) We both have our own way. The right one or the better one, those do not exist. <laughs> this comes down to what I tell a lot of friends and, and family is like everything's subjective, uh, whether that's a coping mechanism for me. But really, and, and I, when I took a philosophy class at Fanshawe, which kind of opened my eyes to it, literally the first two words of the class, two words, oh my God, not two words, but the first statement in the class was everything is subjective. That's what he said before even saying anything. And that made me start thinking about the subjectivity-objectivity paradox. I don't know if I've... I've definitely talked about it on here before, but I'll reiterate. Uh, it's it's kind of silly, but I've seen essays that are dozens of pages long on Google about this. Is to say everything is subjective, that's implying ob- objectivity to the statement. But if that tr- is a full truth, then... It's subjective. So so <laughs> to say everything's subjective is objective, but to say that it's objective is subjective, and that's why it's a paradox. It's kind of like the half-truth paradox uh, as well. And, and I'm going off on a rant here, but I love these paradoxes that philosophy brings up, which is if everything's a half-truth, if there's always a scenario somewhere that makes something not true or true, and if, if that's hard to interpret, uh, let me articulate further. For example, if I told you that, oh, why am I brain farting? If I told you killing is bad, okay, that's a half truth because there's going to be context in which killing is not. But then according to this paradox in philosophy, if everything is a half truth, if there's always in a parallel universe somewhere in another galaxy so that that actually made zero sense. I'm sorry. Galaxies are in universes. So if there's a parallel universe somewhere and that makes your half truth the truth, then that debunks the half truth thing. That means it's a paradox because uh there is a truth that doesn't even have any context to negate it. If you understand what I'm saying, that there's a, a universe somewhere where um, killing is bad 100% of the time. But then it's a paradox because, well, if that is the case, if there is a universe where ev- there is a full-on truth, that means there's going to be a universe where that full-on truth doesn't exist. But then to say that like that, the, that half-truths always exist, the term half-truth is a half-truth in itself. So there's going to be a full truth somewhere anyway see i've probably already had you just like on the floor shaking right now but anyways just bear with me abraham lincoln which by the way (laughs) so this quote I'll, i'll spit it to you quick he says i don't like that man therefore i must get to know him and that is extremely powerful 
please, please, please start applying that to your life. Because I remember when I was listening to videos on racism when I was younger, and I forget her name. She's a very, very prevalent anti-racism advocate. Said, get to know people. Talk to people. I, I swear racism would end if people just all talk to each other about things and gained understanding. Like, it's hard to not like someone when you get um, a bond with them. Anyways, Abe Lincoln's story is absolutely mashuga. I remember hearing in a podcast about his life story. It's and and it came to this thing, which I'm sure you'll hear in another podcast. Is we can admire someone, but that doesn't mean we want to be them. And sometimes people confuse this. They think admiration completely correlates with a a longing to to um, obtain whatever it is you desire, when in reality, like. I can admire someone's hustle, but like Abe Lincoln's life, the, the way he had like suffered with like chronic depression and, and suicidal tendencies and then got assassinated and had like bad joints or something. A anyways, and then the way he got to be present later in his life, like it, it was a mess. I admire that life, but I wouldn't want to live it. Anyways, and so never forget that as well. Next time you catch yourself admiring, question, do I really long for that de desire or do i just think what i'm observing is entertaining and cool hey, anyways so that was the highlights from that ted talk own your behavior master your communication because everything else was annoying banter let's move on i haven't cut that usually i cut a lot of this i've just been kind of talking okay this is so you probably noticed in past episodes like i cut 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 and it's like boom 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 boom, boom. today i've just kind of been letting it go because we're flowing Excuse me. This is called Building a Life. And this is not a TED Talk, but this is a lecture at the Harvard School of Business by a man named Howard Stevenson. So go Google it if you want. By the way, I just got this thought. How cool is it? We can look up so many lectures. Like in the past, you'd have to go to an actual establishment to go get this chokhmah, the wisdom from people. Not anymore. That's not the case. These days, you can find everything for free. Knowledge is free. And my take on this is like people, you're literally paying for the piece of paper and the people hiring you that want to see the piece of paper, it's almost like they're covering their us. Like they don't want to get fired. So they just want to see that you have a degree when in reality, like you can, I, I can talk business with my friends. I didn't take business in school because the internet taught me business and leveraging debt. And like, it's funny how they just want to see the paper so they don't get their ass fired. <laughs> Okay, without further ado, because there's so much good stuff in here, at least that I recall, and I'll read through this and see. It starts off with, there are things that we're awarded that we aren't proud of. And there are things that we're not awarded that we are very proud of. Th this one, oh my God, I'm telling you, the reason I love this so much is because it's sentimental to me. It actually brings up some like past emotional responses. So I'll, I'll break down... And I'll, I'll show my vulnerability here. And when I give this example, you're going to roll your eyes because it's going to seem really yutsy to you just because you aren't me. <laughs> but you got to put yourself in my shoes and get empathetic because you got to understand like things mean a lot to everyone individually. Um, anyways, I had a fantastic season. I was in baseball at Fanshawe when I played post-secondary baseball. One of the best players in the league, statistically, and people go, oh my goodness, well done, Mazel Tov, and Yasher Koach. But 
I wasn't proud of it because I knew my potential. I knew I could have done better than I did. And which, again, sounds shocking for some people. Now, I played varsity badminton too, and I just squeaked on that team. I barely got on that team. I had to fight just to be on the regional team. And if you're wondering what all this gibberish means, it's badminton has a big roster, but then you can only pick about half the roster to go to regionals and represent the school. So everyone plays in the tournaments all year. But then for like playoffs, you not everyone goes. And and I, I literally never thought I'd be able to make that regional team. I just didn't expect it. But I did. And it, it's funny that like here I am. I was literally bottom 50 to 100 in, in Western Ontario. But to make that team and to win more than uh, four matches or three or four matches at regionals, like I was ecstatic. I would you don't even understand how happy I was. I'm, and to this day, I still shep over it. Uh, Yiddish for uh, you know, ha- being proud. So we look at the I'll I'll kind of reiterate this. We look at the one side. I was second in the league in average and uh, some other stats. You know, and I I with our team had won a lot and in baseball but I still have a sour taste with that experience. Like I don't even wear the shirts anymore because I'm not proud of it. Whereas badminton, I love to recall that. And let's go back to the quote here. He says, there are things we're awarded for that we aren't proud of. And there are things we're not awarded for that we are proud of. I had gotten an award at Fanshawe. Like I had gotten some awards and stuff and it's just, I wasn't proud of them, but people recognize me. And then there are things like badminton or there are things people have said in regards to relationships and like how I made them feel and, and whatnot that that I was never awarded for. No one really knows about it. I'm so proud of. Um, anyways, really cool quote. And, and I'm sure you're reflecting as I speak here on what in your life are you proud of and aren't that you were and not awarded for respectively? Anyways, he moves on to say, marry a happy person. I like this a lot. And this actually, Dr. Lori Santos of the Happiness Lab talks about. And by the way, Dr. Lori Santos is like an, an idol to me. She is a PhD on well-being. So her, she she's studied how to feel good a lot. And she said, marry well, she didn't say it exactly like that. She just said you can't change people like you think you can. And this fellow said the same thing. Marry a happy person. You can't make someone who isn't happy, happy. This actually made me want to be a happier person right away. So I don't torture my future partner emotionally. Um, I, I I deal with some mental health stuff. So I, I try. And, and if I'm being blunt right now, it's I'm really scared to take on a marriage, let alone long-term relationships before I get my shit straight, but, and I don't know, it's like, I agree fully, I, I never try to change people, actually, I've gotten very cutthroat the last year of my life, maybe even the last few years, I've gotten cutthroat where, like, if that person is doing things that just don't vibe with me, aka things that are against my morals, values, principles, see you later, like, like it's just, and it's nothing personal to them, though, it's nothing, per- it's literally just, hey, I want them to find someone that's more suited, literally. And anyways, that's what it reminds me of. Here's an analogy. He talks about juggling instead of balancing life, that we should be juggling life. Don't balance life. He, he was saying because juggling, you have to look at a bunch of flying balls. 
And this is really true to the way we live. We, we have to keep our eye on many things at once that are all moving. Now, this, it gets deeper. He says, the most important ball is the falling one. Now, some metaphorical balls that you're juggling will bounce, and they're fine. You can pick them up again and keep going. That's your career, okay? Keep that in mind. Family, that's a glass ball. It doesn't bounce, it breaks, and it doesn't heal when dropped. It stays broken. What does this tell you? This says you will always have a career. You'll always have a job. You can always work. You don't always have a family. You won't always have a family. That isn't always going to be there. Okay, let that sink in. So the next time you see someone or yourself sacrificing family time for work, in my opinion, that's being a little naive, thinking you're going to have them around, thinking you can reestablish something that's broken. Try again, and, and you will always have a job out there. Always. I don't care what you say. Remember that. I can't, re I can't say that enough. Anyways, and go back and listen to what I just said there, because I wish I could repeat that over and over. It's such a cool analogy. Very cool. What do you have enough of in your life? And just answer that radically to yourself, okay? What do you have enough of right now? Start going through the list. Honestly, we all we all have so much, and it's, this is too cliche, so I'm not going to touch on it. It's just, here's your gratitude practice for the day, people. I know, I know, you hate that. You just don't want to think about gratitude. It's too scary. God forbid you had to get get in with your own mind there and become friends with yourself. No, no, think about it. What do you have enough of? Where could you distribute that energy? If you've got enough of something, stop putting energy there. Enjoy it. Dish the energy elsewhere. Come on. Here's another thought-provoking question. Who do you want to help succeed right now? Honestly, we often focus on only helping ourselves. Who do you want to help succeed? Start thinking of people in your life. Maybe start thinking about hypotheticals in your life. People that aren't there yet. You have a child you want to have one day. Who do you want to help succeed right now? Now let's start asking the how and the why. How will you do that? And why do you want to do that? Anyways, on deck here is week one of the science of well-being. I'm, I'm not going to jump in right away because that I think is best. And we're at 22, almost 23 minutes here. I am so excited to talk to you about Dr. Lori Santos' studies in her class. Incredible. People, thanks so much for listening. I hope there were some things that I said here in this auditory journal of mine that were thought-provoking. Uh, again, thanks for tuning in. I could, I literally, once I get going, I don't want to stop, but I have to force myself. I've got, I got to do other things. And I, I, anyways, this was so much fun. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. See you later. Take care of yourself. Shalom Aleichem. Enjoy the day. Just be a loving human being. Let's get it. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm a hippie schmaltzy man. I'm sorry. Take care. I love you. Bye. Mm -hmm.